Welcome to another episode of Corporate CPR, where we breathe life back into your organization projects and processes, giving you insights to recovery and avoiding uh, corporate mortality events. Today, we'll be talking about uncovering untapped potential in your team. And joining us to contribute to the conversation is Dr. Clint Ledeen. Welcome, Clint. Hey, thank you for having me, Jana. I'm so glad that you could join us. Um, can you share a little bit about your background? Uh, yeah, I uh, previously in a former life played professional basketball in Europe. Uh, I then uh, was involved with some organizations at the C-suite level here in the city, San Francisco, California, uh, where I was introduced to some coaching uh, which ultimately changed my uh, trajectory and led me to go learn more about coaching, uh, where I went on to earn my doctorate in the field of executive uh, coaching and strategic planning, and uh, have been working in that field uh, ever since. That's great. And so, um, you know, I guess maybe one interesting question to start things off with, how does coaching in basketball relate to coaching in corporations? Is there a yeah. crossover? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, anytime you talk about leadership, right, you're talking about influencing people. And so uh, when you're influencing teams, you want to maximize potential. You want to uh, ensure that teams are working cohesively. And so, you know, a, a coach in basketball, his job uh, oftentimes, I think, uh, is to manage egos, right? If you can, if you can imagine when you get to the top, uh, of a profession. Uh, I know uh, you work with a lot of top professionals. Uh, a lot of times people have, have risen there uh, because they are very talented and mm -hmm. they know how to execute. And uh, a lot of times you're coaching to ego. And so one of the things that basketball and corporate life uh, have in common is how do you begin to um, go into that? How do you begin to unearth those things that uh, can be detrimental when you talk about ego and how can you accentuate the positive components uh, so that people can flourish. Um, and so those are kind of the tie-ins that we have. And I guess what would also be interesting is when you have a group of people like that and making up of a, of a team, um, you know, more in the corporate world, I guess, than basketball now. Um, how do you how do you help them work together? What kind of things do you focus on that helps them, you know, maybe realize it's better to be a part of a team than to be a lone wolf or, or you know, and do it on their own? Yeah, I think part of that is, and this is where coaching comes into play, is you want to uh, help people understand their why. So in, in every team, in every uh, position, there's a, there's a underlying why in the, in the human condition that causes people to behave in certain ways and to act in certain ways. And so when you look at those motivational levers that people have right to succeed or they're driven and they want to be the best in their uh, area, you also deep down in there, you want to help them to understand that that why why they're doing it why they're driven and then help them to also tap into that corporate part as well or the community part as well and in that when they begin to understand their why and you can begin to help them reframe that uh, how it helps the community or the corporation uh, as a whole 
And what type of things get in the way of, of maybe of the coaching or people reaching their potential? A lot of times it, it is right. That double edged sword. A lot of times it is I've seen in coaching people is that ego, the, the idea that, as you mentioned, the lone wolf, that I can do it alone. And so where that hinders people is right. We all know that there's, there's a, a, a greater impact that we can have together. And so oftentimes it's helping people realize and helping leaders realize that when they're able to bring their teams together, when they're able to work together cohesively, that um, their teams excel and that ultimately um, they excel as well. But too often people have this blockage of I have to be the, the woman or I have to be the man or people need to know that Clint gets things done. But ultimately helping them realize that with humility and with bringing people together that um, that everybody can be successful. And that goes into having uh, coaching people to, towards that abundance mentality. Mm. Well, and so, you know, that's kind of interesting. I guess one of the things I, I talk a lot to my teams about how um, there's enough business for everybody, right? So we don't have to kind of like what you're talking about, abundance mentality. And so we don't need to go talk poorly about competitors or things like that, because, you know, there, there's enough business to go around. But um, one of the things that I'd be curious about, like, again, kind of, you know, the notion is a little archaic, um, where the leader is expected to be the smartest person in the room, right? Or the leader is expected to know it all. Um, do you think that still, you know, is that the right philosophy? Question number one. And, uh, or, and question number two, do you think that some of that mentality still exists today? Yeah, you still see that in some circles. I think it's people are realizing that's not the most effective way to lead. And really, when you look at really successful leaders, I really believe those that are able to exercise humility, those that want their direct reports or those that are working under them or their teammates, right? Those, those leaders that want them to excel and they want the best for them, are really going to be the ones that see uh, people stay long-term. They're going to see people excel and they're going to see increase in productivity and they're going to see an increase uh, in employee engagement as well. But that takes a real humility to allow others to flourish. And I think it's one of the highest skill sets that a leader can have. If they can develop that, uh, they will see their teams and their organizations succeed wildly. What do you? What role do you think that leader vulnerability plays in building teams? You know, I am a big proponent of it. I think if you want to know others, you need to be known. And so, mm -hmm. once again, a leader is going into right in anything when you talk about strategy uh when you talk about markets they're going they're leading the charge they're going into uncharted waters and i would posit that similarly right when you talk about vulnerability 
Um, leaders are doing the same thing, doing the, should do the same thing. They should begin to go out there and allow themselves to be known and to begin to do it. I would encourage them in small chunks, right? With trust as you, you know, share something as you're able to, you know, share a mistake, um, that, that vulnerability builds engagement with your staff. And just like, you know, you can pick a strategy as a leader and it might not might not be perfect or it might not go well. You know, similarly, when you share, it might not go perfectly. People might not receive it as you wanted them to. But once again, it's that leadership where you're going into uncharted waters, leading the, leading the way. And I just uh, I'm a big proponent. I just think it, it helps um, drive team cohesiveness. And uh, I think if you can do it. It's something you should strive for. What are some of the other kind of key um, attributes that would drive team cohesiveness? Yeah, that the ability to want others to succeed. When you when you know them, and when you really get down and begin to know your team, know what makes them tick, know their motivational levers. When you understand their personal whys as well, when you're invested in them, you know, we do, right? I get it. We we are a workplace. You know, there's a, there's a one side where people say, hey, it's a workplace. I, I get my family things at, at home and I get my friends things, you know, here. But I really think when you begin to, to know them and know what they want, you can begin to find projects where they excel. You can begin to find tasks where they excel. You can begin to um, communicate in ways that are effective for them, right? Because so often we think, oh, this worked for me when my boss used to tell me this. And then we think, okay, I'm just going to cascade that down to my staff. But when you take the time to ask you know, questions and find out, right? How do you, you know, what, what stirs you, right? Some people might be a pizza. Some people might be like, I love it when you shout me out at a meeting and tell me how great I am. You know, others, it might be, I love a, a gift card or I love a, 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 the opportunity to lead a project. And when you begin to find out those, those things and begin to tap into it and people are like, Man, she or he is really concerned with me. They really want me to do well. They're they're concerned with with my growth as well. Man, people will say, "Hey, how can I get in line? How can I be part of this organization? And how can I help it excel too?" They're wanting me to excel. Hmm. Um. So, what are your what does a team look like? A cohesive team look like, or what are their behaviors when things are going wrong? Like. How do you see a team like that turn things away around? Yeah, a, a team where where th uh, things are going round going wrong, you're going to see people wanting to take uh, credit. If there is something that is positive, you're going to see people that are going to jump up and want to take credit for it as what well, instead of spreading spreading the. Uh, the the goodness around the team, right? They're going to want to take credit for for any wins that the team might experience. Uh, you're going to see people that are not supportive, right? If there's a if there's a cross functional strategy that needs to take place, and somebody are, are going to uh, you're going to see players and teammates begin to say, "Hey, that's not my job. That's not 
that's not my lane. I can't cross over there and I can't, I, I won't help you out uh, as well. And you're going to see people, I will say this too, you're going to see teams that are going to pull back uh, emotionally. They're not going to be emotionally uh, available. You're going to see them closed off. You're going to see them sitting at meetings like this. You're going to see them not sharing. And ultimately, that's going. you're not going to have uh, knowledge being transferred, knowledge being shared. Um, and so you're going to see unhealth that way. And mm -hmm. then I would also say when you see an unhealthy team, right, you can you can tell, right, when you walk into a meeting room and, you know, or what, and I've been, I'll go back to a basketball analogy too. Same with corporate. When you walk into the gym for practice, you, you can tell by the way, are they engaging? Are they, you know, talking about their families or is there small talk? Um, you know, is that happening? Uh, if it's not, then I would say, Hey, uh, some of that cohesion is beginning to, to melt away. And you want to begin to nip that in the bud before you have a fractured team and it gets really poisonous. If you do have, I guess, you know, um, some of that going on, how do you coach people what to do um, with those individuals and, and how to, I may maybe coach them to the right attitude or coach them out, I suppose. Like, what do you, what do, you do in the situation where you've got somebody who's starting to be poisonous to the team? Yeah, that will we'll go for the, the more positive. We'll assume that they, you know, want to uh, might receive some coaching or some uh, crucial conversations. Yeah, you want to begin to spend that time with them in a one on one setting, right? Uh, in person and to begin to begin to ask some of those questions, you know, uh, what's going on with you? Where are you at? Um, you know, how do you feel about mm -hmm. your role? What's going, what's going right here? What are you, what are you loving? What are you loving about our team interactions? Um, you know, what's, what's been a highlight for you recently as well. And then you can also, you know, of course, go into the things of, Hey, what are, what are your pain points right now? What's frustrating you? Uh, what could we do better? And then, you know, a hard question for us as leaders that we don't like to ask is, but what can I do as a, a leader to better motivate you, right? Even though it might not be your issue, but simply asking that question. And, and there could be a blind spot there that the leader has or that the team has. And I would encourage the leader as well to really dig in because, and you've probably seen this, Janet, as well, is that you might ask a question, right? And a lot of people are good at playing what I call the, the corporate game. They'll give a good corporate answer to you at the surface level. But I would encourage uh, leaders to maybe dig in with, you know, one or two other questions to begin to dig deeper to see what's there. Because a lot of times people are very scared. Trust isn't high. They're not sure if they can speak with candor. Is there psychological safety here? And if you're able to go a little bit deeper with the questions of, you know, like, Hey, it seemed, you know, maybe even it seemed my perception was that you were frustrated, you know, was there anything that uh, could have been done better? They might give you a, a corporate answer. <laughs> hey, you know, John, how would you have handled that? You know, when we talk about our meetings, should they go like this? What do you think? You know, maybe another standard answer. Hey, in the best, what's the best 
you know, what's most ideal meeting look like and communication look like for you, John? Do you like excitement? Do you like just down, you know, brass tacks? And so really digging in there and you can maybe unearth uh, some of what's going on and then begin to have and then begin to address those issues uh, from there. Mm. Um, and then, I mean, do you have any, any good, you know, I guess, anecdotes about, you know, that you've heard or seen where, where people have been able to be coached and recover the relationship for the organization instead of being, you know, have to leave? Uh, yeah, I can think of, uh, uh, organization that, uh, I was working with, they had somebody that was leading a division. Um, uh, the leader of the, or the CEO of the organization um, could be uh, a little bit prickly uh, at times. And so this division leader was kind of uh, um, having a, a tough time, but, you know, we, was able to go in there and able to coach this CEO uh, and begin to have some of these, these conversations, these uh, tricky conversations around how he um, handled people, how he led meetings, uh, how he uh, would do a, what we call, maybe you've experienced these too, the uh, after the after meeting or the second <laughs> meeting after a, a meeting uh, that typically take place as well that he would do a decision would be made in the meeting. Everybody was on board. Then the C the CEO would go out and then he would make a secondary decision that was contrary mm. to the one that was just made. And so we were able to, uh, I was able to coach him on how these affected the organization, how they affected uh, people Um and get into the some of the reasons why uh, he would do that. Um, and it got into, uh, you know, deep down, there were some feelings of uh, he didn't he he wasn't strong at crucial conversations. He wasn't co strong at confrontations. Uh, he, there was a little bit of insecurity there. Um, and then through that, we were able to help him establish uh, meetings talking points where he could and some questions that would help him address some of those crucial conversations and begin to exercise that muscle, right? Not an overnight thing, but uh, help him to begin to exercise uh, those muscles to grow in. Mm, yeah. Um, well, I'd like to maybe pivot a little bit. You talk about um, a lot about limiting beliefs and maybe this even ties a little bit to these person, you know, these these people who maybe aren't performing to their full potential, what are limiting beliefs and, and, and how do you identify if you have them? Yeah. Limiting beliefs are those that uh, prevent you from uh, executing your full potential and a way to identify a limiting belief uh, is once you say something, if there's a, a statement or, you know, something you want to do, if the following word, I'm simplifying it, is because, is after it, um, <laughs> there could be a chance that it's a limiting belief. And so 
And you want to look at the statement after. So let's say you say something like, you know, we uh, we possibly couldn't expand into this country because, you know, uh, I uh, I'm not talented enough to lead this charge. Okay, mm-hmm. the because that's you know I'm not talented enough to lead this charge is probably most certainly not true. Um, you you know if it was because this country is closed off and won't allow any new uh, foreign investors to come in. Well, that could be a truth. That's not a limiting belief. Okay, if there if there's a, a truth behind it, and so you want to begin to look at those and see where those are hindering your potential. And so, oftentimes, you know, I'll work with people, and you've probably seen as well, is that we built up these beliefs over the course of our lifetime, and we don't even know they exist. They've just become so Mm. hardwired in our brain, right? Those neural pathways Mm -hmm. uh, have just built their highways and we're not even aware of them until we begin to talk to somebody and begin to unearth those. Um, And uh, once you do begin to unearth them and address them, it's amazing what uh, can take place. And it's so exciting watching people take off and remove some of those beliefs. You know, there's obviously a lot of I, I've read a lot of actually different books on on suggestions on how to address that. What is what is your approach for addressing those limiting beliefs? Yeah, you want to I really big on getting with getting with someone and talking, right? Whether it's a mentor, whether it's a leader, obviously uh, a coach is a great way to do that. But beginning to unearth and evoke some awareness surrounding some of those beliefs is really big. And then beginning to kind of reframe things and begin to find possibilities of, uh, of how to overcome some of those beliefs. And so I think one of the key ways that you do that is once you've identified a limiting belief is then begin to take a simple action step towards um, conquering that belief. And so let's say, you know, you're, you're in the space of, you know, I don't think I could ever write a book, right? I've never, I've never written, I've never done it before. Uh, you know, I'm not a talented enough writer, whatever it may be. One of the things that you can do is to begin to, like I said, find out what are some of the reasons behind that, and then begin to take small manageable steps towards that goal of, hey, I'm going to write this book, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to start out by writing one page a night or working on one paragraph a day, whatever it may be. Uh, to begin to tackle some of those beliefs. Have you uh, come across um, in your research the, um, I'm drawing a blank on what they're called, but it's it's kind of those empowering statements or something where you say, you know, I am this, um, you know, I am a successful woman. I am, I make great decisions or whatever that is. Um, ha- have you used that at all or what's your impression of, of, you know, repeating that mantra every day? 
Yeah, the affirmations. Thank yes, you. I I am a huge uh, proponent of affirmations. You know, when I coach people, I was just uh, coaching somebody yesterday. Struggle, you know, funny you mentioned, but struggling with limiting beliefs as well. And one of the things that I gave as an exercise uh, to uh, this person was begin be, beginning to use some of those affirmations, right? Whether it's on you can go on YouTube and they have things that you can put, you listen to when you go to bed at night, right? And just fall mm-hmm. asleep the first 20 minutes. There's books that you can read, right? Post-it notes you could put around your house, um, you know, little journals that you can begin to write and, and read in. But yeah, I think that is so huge because if you think about it, if you're fortunate to have somebody in your life, you know, mom or dad that was, you know, positive and encourage you, right? Um, that That's amazing. But even in that, maybe they, you weren't told these positive things, you weren't told that you can do things. And then there's still a lot of people that have never heard anyone say anything positive about them, or what they can do in their whole life. And so, Developing these pathways is huge, right? Whether it's, you know, anything. I'll even go to some people will be like, okay, I have this huge goal, but, you know, Clint, I I, I just struggle with work ethic, right? And so I would even, you know, encourage them to get affirmations on work ethic of, you know what, I get things done. I wake up, I start my day off, and I begin to, you know, uh, uh, work hard. I begin to get my mind ready. I begin to drive. I'm a driver. I get things done. And just beginning to develop that. And you'd be surprised at how that can jumpstart your day and really get your mind in the right space. Because a lot of people, a lot of times, all of us, we struggle with things that come into our head that are either not true, they're limiting beliefs, and then are not helping us to excel and to reach our full potential. And so I would say most definitely get with some affirmations and start bombarding your mind. And I'll use it like this too. Right back to the sports analogy. Um, Training your body. You have to go to the gym every day. You have to do, you know, you have to do this. I used to coach basketball as well for for a moment, and I'm telling you the key, a big key to those that are successful is that they believe that they are good, and they've told themselves, right? I can do this. I can I can run a huge company. I can run a huge division. I get things done. This project is something that I can tackle. How, when you get that down. And you begin to exercise the other traits, I think you're going to excel. So, you know, the affirmations and then I guess the other thing I've heard, you know, especially like in parenting or, or you know, I suppose it's even in leadership is, you know, talking to the person in a way that they've reached the goal. So, I, I you know, if you're if your child is always late, it's not that you're addressing them as being always late. You're like, oh, you know, when you get there on time or, you know, you can be so punctual or, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, all, all the ways to put it, but 
what's the balance where I'm headed with all of this is what's the balance between like, sometimes it feels like lying <laughs> versus reality. You know, if you're sitting there saying, you know, I am a frugal person and you're not a frugal person. I know you're trying to convince yourself of that um, by saying the affirmation. Um, but, you know, how, for those people who are, maybe they're very black and white. Um, how, how do they get past that? I feel yeah. like I'm lying to myself. <laughs> yes. I, I had, that's funny. I literally had one of my clients just, at, just asked me that they're like, Clint, you're lying. You're, you're lying. One of the key things is right. Going back and, and helping them reframe because mm-hmm. there could be a component component of truth, right? Let's say that they were late 99 times. Right. But I think the, if you can find the one, right, you begin to reframe it and find the time that they were on time. If you begin to look into it, I think you're going to find things there that are true. And so mm. if you find that one time, it's like, yeah, you know what? You do. You are on time. You came on time. Remember last Tuesday? You are you were on time. You're an on you are on time person. You are a punctual person. Those other times. OK, did they happen? Was it true? Yes. Okay, can we focus on that? Of course you can focus on that if you want to. You can tell your mind whatever you want. You can say, you know, like I said, you can say, oh, I'm not I'm not successful because I didn't fill in the blank or I'm not punctual because I didn't go those times. That is true. You you didn't make it on time those times. But do you want to focus, right? You're trying to rebuild, redo these neural pathways. Hey, you were on time. And you know what? And, and you take that in the business world. We're not always successful. We don't always do things perfectly. We don't always win games on the basketball court, right? But if you can begin to find those things, right, and begin to focus on them, of you know what? Hey, Barbara, I remember when you led this project. Man, your team was strong. Man, they were growing together. You fostered that that connectivity. Right. What are were some of the components that you did that you focused on? Wow, that's cool. You really are a good leader. I've seen you. I've seen you do it. But a lot of times we want to go to the many other negative things and the times where it didn't work or what we don't have or what we haven't accomplished or what title we don't have. But if you can begin to reframe that and really look in, I bet you you can find some things. And you begin to camp on those things, and that's going to set you up for the next thing. And so that's that would be that would be my tip: reframe that, find that thing, and uh, yeah, I, I'm just think I'm just thinking of the the one is a solopreneur I was working with, and he was you know concentrating on I haven't done this, and you know I'm not successful, and. I said, well, wait a minute. You just sold this. You just created this. So you are doing it. You are successful. You created a product. You're selling it. Is it at the level you want it to be? Maybe not. But don't tell yourself that you are not doing it and that you're not successful because you have done it and you're going to do it in the future. No, it's interesting. So I guess my last question around all of that would be, um, so obviously you could, maybe you do have some of those, like you're saying, there are elements of it that are true. And so you're telling yourself, I am this. So maybe I am, I am a great leader. Um, but to be a truly great leader, 
you know, maybe there's a gap between where you are and where you've been. And so just telling, obviously telling yourself, you know, I am this is changing your mindset. It's getting you on the positive focus, but there's still no actual action there. So how do you then bridge the gap um, between, you know, where you really are and where you should be? Yeah, you want to begin to take uh, I'm really big proponent on taking small steps. Uh, people get overwhelmed at the big picture of where they want to be oftentimes, right? Because we've created this big uh, thing that we need to be. And so I'm a big, I'm big at taking small steps towards that. So, you know, while you're, you're feeding your mind with some of those, those positive affirmations, uh, you begin to want to take steps as well towards that. So it could be taking a class. It could be uh, hiring a coach. It could be to going on a webinar. It could be to having coffee with a, another leader that you respect and getting their their feedback or some of their, their top three practices and behaviors that they do to, to build strong teams and strong organizations. And so you want to continue to do take those steps to ensure that you're moving on the right path. So you're 100% correct. Just feeding your mind with the affirmations is not, is not going to be enough. I hope I didn't give that impression, but you also want to be uh, taking those uh, steps towards getting better and uh, ensuring that you're uh, um, becoming the best version of you and your leadership. Great. Well, I really appreciate um, you being on the sh the show. What what top three things would you leave behind with the audience today? Um, hold on to your your dream and the vision that you have for your for yourself uh, personally and professionally. So, if you got something stirring inside of you, uh, I want to encourage you to continue to strive for that. Continue to move forward. Uh, doesn't matter where you're at in your journey. If you're just young in your career, if you're uh, got some years behind you, um, keep striving for that. Keep moving forward. Uh, next thing I would say as well is uh, along your path, um, build others up, man. Your team, find out, uh, find out about them, build them up, help them, uh, help them fulfill their dreams, right? Professionally in the work environment. And if you can personally uh, invest in them as well and uh, cause them to excel. And then uh, lastly, I would say is uh, be kind to yourself. A lot of times people are very hard on themselves uh, where they want to be. And if you take a step back and uh, kind of reframe, I bet you there's a lot of positives in there that you can use to build on and uh, continue to grow. So I would say focus on those and continue to build on those positives that you've already done. Well, thank you very much for those. And um, where can folks learn more about what you do or get in contact with you? Uh, yeah, successfullycoaching.com uh, is the website and you can learn more about the uh, coaching and executive coaching there. All right. Well, thank you so much time. Thank you so much for your time, Clint. I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Jana. It was a pleasure. All right. And to our audience, until next time, keep your organizations healthy. Mm -hmm.